Happy weekend, Aspire Leaders. I had the wonderful opportunity to speak with Dan Wolf this week, the author of Becoming the Change, and he is going to share a very powerful story where he uses the SEL components to make a really difficult decision for his family, to take a step backwards in his professional journey, to take a step forward. Before you hear that conversation, I just want to let you know that there's a wonderful event coming up here August 1st. My good friend Kyle Hill is creating this back-to-school virtual bash. and He's got 50 wonderful workshop videos from leaders across the world, and he's bringing that to you for a really small price of $10. So I love providing resources. Some are free, some are really low-cost, and this is one of those low-cost ones. So you can go to rechargefamily.com to check out all the wonderful speakers that will be on there. I have the opportunity to also be sharing about restorative practices and trauma-informed care. So if you're interested in that workshop, definitely head over to rechargefamily.com. He's a part of the Teach Better Podcast Network, and Kyle does some phenomenal work, not only on his podcast and with Recharge Family, but he also provides quite a bit of resources to schools around the country. So make sure you check all of those resources out. Super excited for the event on August 1st. Now let's head over to the conversation with Dan Wolf as we talk about his new book, but then also about how important social-emotional learning is for adults and specifically leaders as we navigate through really difficult times. And I think this is a perfect opportunity to really reflect prior to the upcoming school year. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Diana, I am so excited for this conversation. Thank you so much for being on Aspire to Lead. Oh, glad to be here, Joshua. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, for sure. I'm a huge fan of your book, Becoming the Change. We're going to be talking about that. That's really going to be kind of the basis of our conversation today. And I think it's a perfect conversation for our aspiring leaders, especially over the summer, as they're about to kind of build their action plan for the upcoming year and strive to you know, be a little bit better in the next school year. So before we begin talking about your wonderful book, would you just share a little bit about your educational and leadership journey? Sure, absolutely. Um, I just completed my 26th uh, year here in Pasco County, Florida. It's just north of Tampa, Florida, just for your listeners. I've held positions not only as a classroom teacher, instructional coach, actually a district curriculum specialist where I served 19 schools, K through 12, for mathematics, uh, 18 of them being Title I. And then I've also been an assistant principal and just completed being in our Preparing New Principals program here in our county. So I'm hoping within the next year or so to be a principal. And just for your listeners out there, just an interesting tidbit is that I once um, took a step down from administration to be there with my family and everything, because that's what was most important to me. And sometimes in order to move forward, you got to take a step back. Actually, I think was the best thing for me because I was able to have so many great experiences that I think made me an even better leader, having a coaching experience, those kinds of things. So then when I'm working with whoever it is as a leader, I can look at it through the lens of who I'm speaking with. And to me, that's the most powerful thing. All right, Dan, before we talk about the book, I want to dive into that a little bit, because I think sure. that's something that folks get really scared about, about like, if I make a step backwards, am I tanking my career? I think that's, I've heard many people talk about that. Like, you know, I I love this position, but maybe I I need to move in a different direction 
for my mental health or for my family, like you said, you know, there's a, a variety of different reasons. But, you know, for those who are just scared to potentially take a step back, what would you say about your own experience? And was it worth it? You know, when I was going through with it, I wasn't sure, but I just knew it was what was best for me and my family. You know, I have uh, one daughter. She's now going to be almost 22 now. But at the time she was, you know, she was very young and a lot of night events I was at, it put a lot of pressure on you know my wife. And I felt like I was missing out on a lot of those important moments and moments that I'd never get back. And that's why I made the decision to go ahead and do that. And things just kind of fell into place unexpectedly. I was able to be an instructional coach back at a school. I was blessed to be nominated and won District Teacher of the Year for our county in 2011-2012, which led to that curriculum specialist position, which I was able to see 19 different leaders working with them side by side, the different leadership styles. And I was able to go ahead and pick up on a lot of those you know, the things that I definitely wanted to do and then the things that I, you know, just wasn't in my wheelhouse at the time. And then funny enough, the place that I had left as an assistant principal had a position open again, and I was able to go back home in a way to that school. Even had that uh, Bon Jovi song playing to surprise the the staff and everything because they were some of them were still there. Who says you can't go home? So I had that playing because they didn't know who their new assistant principal was going to be. And it's a memory I'd never forget. And it's brought me back to this point here. And I've really appreciated the journey. I think my advice would be just everything happens for a reason. You don't always know when it's going, you know, when you're going through it, but just stay, you know, trust the process and, you know, good things will come from it. I'm a firm believer in that. Well, I think it's a testament to your book becoming a change. It doesn't matter your position, you can still have an influence on a campus. And, you know, just think of all the things that you got to learn, even taking a step back to become a, a better, not only teacher in the position you were in, but then also a leader, having that different lens and those different experiences. So I think that's a perfect segue to your book. The first chapter is exactly what you're talking about, which is the self-awareness piece, knowing <laughs> your true self and your experience and looking at your family's needs and having that reflection process, I'm assuming had some of the components of this first chapter. And just like uh, self-awareness, and again, this goes with the five elements or five areas is SEL. As we know, in education, we have a million acronyms, but uh, SEL stands for social emotional learning. I believe that you need to Maslow before you can bloom. If the academics is the lock, then SEL, in my opinion, is the key because you need that well-balanced. We talk about the whole child, and that's what it is. But just what you were saying, Joshua, with self-awareness, I kind of look at it like you know your inner self, what what makes you tick. You're like you're your own mechanic of, of a car. You mechanics know their cars very well. We're the mechanic of our own car ourselves, and we can definitely diagnose when there's a certain problem going on or whatever and be able to adjust accordingly. Well, I'm so glad that you highlighted the SEL component because I think we focus on the students so much in regards to social emotional learning, but we forget about the adults and especially the leaders, right? We just assume, oh, they've got it taken care of. We don't need to use those strategies. And, you know, this book really highlights everyone in the building (laughs) that needs these Mm -hmm. these components. So I want to talk about the self-management, regulating yourself. And I think as a leader, that's something that's really important you know, what's that chapter about and what are some strategies folks can do to regulate their own emotions? Well, we're in the driver's seat of our own minds and our own actions. We control our destiny. 
And this chapter goes ahead and focuses on ways in which we can go ahead and do that because we can't always control the situation, but we can control how we respond to it. So it has different techniques and different things that and, and strategies that will, will help you prepare for when you're faced with those different challenges, because you never know when they're going to happen. And it's not even challenges within school. It could be even within your own personal life uh, within there. And each of these five areas all connect to one another. You, you'll have the self-management piece, which will lead you back to the self-awareness piece. I, I look at these five elements as like our own moral compass. You know, you have a compass, you get lost in the woods. The compass is what guides you to get to safety. I look at these areas as your own moral compass to guide you through life. When you have life's, you know, certain things that challenge you, you hone in on those certain ones that you need to have happen in those certain, you know, points in time. Um, sometimes you rely heavily on the self-management piece because there there could be things as an administrator, a leader, or a leader in the classroom that are out of your control, whether it's you wish there was more parent participation and things like that. You can't control those things, but you can re you can only control, like I tell my teachers, what's in the the four walls of your classroom. That's where your impact's going to be felt, and that's all that's all that anybody can ever ask of you in regards to that. Yeah, I'm glad you, you talked about the compass because that's one of the, my favorite things of the book is the compass check. Each chapter you have that, and I think that's a good place to make sure that you're stopping and reflecting on where you're at as a leader, and so. Uh, mm -hmm. I love that piece in the book. Let's go to the third component, which is social awareness, developing perspective and empathy. And this is a, a word that I absolutely love, which is the empathy component. So, you know, for our leaders, why is that so important to have that characteristic? Well, I'm always about empathy, not sympathy. It's being able to look at through the lens of whomever you're talking with. That's even the students. That's even the parents. You may not understand why certain things happen you know, outside of the classroom, why they might be raised in a certain way. But again, when you understand that everybody has a story, just like a school has a story, each person has a story, people you work with, you don't know what it's, what they're going through. You only see that outside layer. You don't see that other part. And that's something that I feel as a society we've lost sight of is that social awareness piece. And a lot of it, again, I'll get on my soapbox for a second there, but a lot of it within education is even with social media. I try to tell the kids, you know, if you're going for likes and things and that's the only reason why you're posting something, that's not what you should do it because that's what you believe in or what that is your thought. And no matter if you get likes, great. If you don't, that's okay too. But that acceptance and unity um, and bringing people closer together, we don't always have to agree on everything because, you know, we're going for the cause, not for the applause. And it, it's just something that I think just needs to constantly be reminded. I would always tell my teachers that if I, and I still tell them to this day, if I ever forget what it's like to be in the classroom, I said, I need you to call me out on it because I, I am first and foremost a teacher, an educator. I consider myself still a coach. You never lose those things because you move to a different position. To me, it just is another part in your toolbox that you just have along the way. And and I just think that's something that's important is for leaders is just to never lose their way and forget where they came from. Because I think oftentimes, you know, it's the, the position is just a position. It's what you do behind it and what you your actions is what's going to do everything. That position, you, you're anybody's replaceable you know, in that position. Someone can be 
could replace me as an assistant principal tomorrow and they'd still do the same job. But it's just what you do to go above and beyond. And, and that's even talking with your your food nutrition, your um, you know, your clinic assistant, your um, your custodian. All, all, they're all part of that family, that school family atmosphere, and each of their voices are important. And you need to hear them and listen to them too, because it, everyone matters. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. All right, I want to talk about the characteristics of a leader again with relationship skills, which is your next chapter here. And I think when a lot of folks get into the position, they don't realize how big of a component that is to be successful in a school and in a district. And that kind of correlates with a lot of other things like communication. But, you know, I really love this chapter because you're talking about making the world a better place, not just your campus. And when you Mm -hmm. have that focus, it makes the job feel a lot more important and significant every single day, even in the mundane pieces of the job. So I want to talk through that, you know, why relationship skill is so important. Well, it's those innate qualities we have with others and then especially ourselves too, because if we don't have a good relationship with ourselves, how it's like, it's like what they say, if you can't love yourself, how can you love others? To me, the relationship skills in my philosophy as an administrator is um, that's the foundation for everything else to be possible. It's that culture piece. You can, you know, you can't buy culture. It has to grow in the ground in that soil or whatever. And it's it has to be something that exudes. And when anybody walks onto that campus, they just sense family. They sense love. They know that their child, you know, is in a happy place. Yes, you're going to have your rough days, but that's when you, you're there for one another. You're you. I always have a saying that one of my professors, uh, Dr. Clint Wright, used to tell me: "It's a poor frog who doesn't praise its own pond." And I always pride myself in letting people know, and even kids complimenting on specifically, not just nice job and that's it. But they're never going to repeat what you want to see again if you don't tell them specifically what it is you appreciate about them, and letting them know that they matter. Because to me, again, it's how you treat others is your legacy. It's what's going to be there long after you're gone, because what you do is you do it like a, like a pay it forward. You do that for them. They're more likely to do it to other people that they connect with. And I think if we all did that a lot more, we'd, we'd have the world would be a better place. And it'd be the kind of place that just being the role models for for the for the you know the, the kids out there it's not about being yes the academics is important and you know getting your your um degrees and being a 4.0 student and everything but treating people with kindness too because kindness is free and having them do that i think just would have a greater impact than a hundred on a test would all right let's talk about the last chapter which I absolutely love it's responsible decision making, upholding your values. And I think that's incredibly important because especially as a young leader, I, I found myself falling in the trap of trying to meet everyone's expectations and with that uh, not being myself and not holding on to those values. So I was curious if you've had a similar experience and why it's so important to make sure that you're upholding your values. Well, it's your morals, your values. All I believe all that's uh, tied in together. And Speaking for myself, to sacrifice those, you would lose oneself, then you would not be your authentic self. 
it would be like an, an alter ego, if you will, in regards to it. And people want to, you know, they want to see that vulnerability. We expect the kids to be vulnerable. We need to be vulnerable ourselves, too. It's even with with our responsible decision making, if if we because those are all choices. Do we always make the right choices? No. But I think as a leader, if we own up to it and say, this is why we made it or this is why this decision was made, they may the staff may not like it or whatever, but at least they appreciate your your authentic. You're being truthful with them. You're not trying to put the wool over their eyes that's to me that's what they're looking for in a leader they want to know where they stand um with them and know what they stand for and if it goes against your morals or values it just you know that's just something you have to voice because you would want them to voice it too so you you again you'd be a hypocrite not to do the same thing for your staff man your book is phenomenal i'm holding it right here i love the fact that there's you know, like an assessment piece, you can reflect in it, you have these tips that keep moving you in the right direction. Of course, we talked about the compass and, and doing those reflective check ins. So just phenomenal. Thank you so much for having such a, a beautiful resource for everyone. And for my aspiring leaders, like I said, this is the time to start getting something in your hands that's going to prepare you for the next school year. I think this is a perfect resource for that. But I also want to talk about some of the other things that you've got because you've got a blog. You've also got a podcast out there. Uh, so yes. what are those for and you know, how can people sure. you know, tap into those additional resources? Sure, absolutely. I just want to mention one other thing about the book, Joshua, that I just want to let uh, your listeners know is that also one of the components I wanted to do, I didn't want it to be a book that just you had to read it in a certain order. And I might be dating myself when I say this, but I grew up on books. Uh, they were called Choose Your Own Adventure. They were like in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s, where you'd pick a certain section. You had to, you had a choice to pick one or the other. You go to one page and something would happen. You go to another, a different. After you take the assessment, it's going to give you your strengths and your limitations. I don't really call them weaknesses because, as someone had once said, that the only limitations we have are the ones we put on ourselves. So what you can go ahead and do is once you finish the assessment, you can start off with your strengths, read that chapter first, and at the end of the chapter, it's going to ask you, okay, which pathway do you want? You could read the same chapter again. You could go ahead and go to a limitation, whatever direction you want to go, because this is your own life. This is your own adventure. You get to choose your pathway. And where you are now, I hope you take the assessment more than just the one time, because there's a lot of quotes and everything throughout the book. Quotes like quotes mean different things to us at different points in our lives. I know I read a quote now that I read 10 years ago, and I'm at a different stage, so it means something totally different. You're going to have the same thing with this book as well, where you can look at it many times, and sometimes you'll be strong in responsible decision-making, and maybe the next time your strength is self-management. And, th- and that's just that's just life's journey. But I just wanted to add that tidbit. And then for the blog of the podcast, I've taken a little bit of a break right now this summer because I've just been working on some other things that I'm writing in the background of some other ideas that are just popping in my head while I have some time. But before the book came out, I actually started with a blog by the same title, Becoming the Change. It started in December 2019. To date right now, I have over 800 blog entries right now. And what essentially came from that was I'm a big fan of quotes, as as you'll see with throughout the book and everything. Um, so what I would do is I'd take a quote by a famous person and then write about what it meant to me, whether it was dealing with our moral compass or the five elements. And then I would go ahead and then ask the the reader, what does it mean to you? 
and that's what I've kind of done for the, the past few years now. And I turned that into a podcast where I just record myself very old school. I record myself on my, my iPhone and everything. And I just uh, record previous ones that I've blogs that I've written. And I just put it out there because uh, people enjoy different types of content, whether they're driving into work or whatever, they might want to just listen to it. And, or you can subscribe. It's becomingthechange.com is where you can find the, the blog and everything. And then the podcast is on Apple uh, Podcasts or Spotify. But it was just something, and that actually helped spawn the book. That really kind of got things kind of going with it because our county had started writing SEL standards, K-12, and I was a part of that work within the district. And I, again, like I mentioned a bunch of times on here about quotes, this quote by Michelle Obama was what really got things go rolling for me. I have learned that as long as I hold fast to my beliefs and values and follow my own moral compass, then the only expectations I need to live up to are my own. And that how I thought of was moral compass, the five elements, self-awareness at the epicenter with the other four encompassing the other cardinal directions. And then I was off and running on it. And it's just something that that I just strongly believe in as a leader. And it's just continued to kind of just prompt other ideas and more of it just needs to be out there, I think, in the, in the world. For sure. And for my listeners, the resources will be in the show notes. So you can make sure that you go over to becomingthechange.com, get you know the 800 different blogs that you've got on there. And of course, the, the podcast too, just fantastic information. So make sure that you're clicking on that. And then, Dan, I want to ask you a kind of baseline question for the podcast, which is for our aspiring sure. leaders, if there's something they can do tomorrow or next week to enhance their leadership journey, what would you advise them to do? I really do think each of the five elements is essential to being that well-balanced leader. And it doesn't even just have to be an assistant principal principal. It could be a coach. It could be a classroom teacher. It doesn't. Everybody is a leader. Joe Sanfilippo has that one book, Lead From Where You Are. I mean, that's exactly the premise of that is it, no matter what your position is. But I think the biggest thing is, and I mentioned it earlier, is don't forget where you came from. Don't ever lose yourself in a in a position don't i i think i that's that's the one cautionary tale because i've seen it happen too often where the position overtakes the person and that's what drives everything and you're never going to get everything done you've got to find that balance everybody tells you about that but you really you really do and and you just need to have that r and r time but just don't forget where you came from don't forget what it's like to be in the classroom or to be a coach Listen to those that are talking to around you because they are the ones that are going on the front lines for it, for the school, for you, for, and you just have to honor that. And I, I think, and like I said, it, because that, it all comes down to relationships and culture. That to me is the foundational piece for any successful leader, no matter what position you have. If you don't have good relationships with your staff, you don't give them the time of day of, you know, listening to what they're saying. Even if you know that you're like, all right, I'm not really sure that you hear them out. Sometimes they don't want a response. They just want an ear, you know, and that's why we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. And, and I mean, yes, we want to fix everything. But sometimes things are going to take time to fix and they just need to have their voice heard. And I think if they, they know that that's going to happen, it doesn't mean it's going to change everything. They may be able to take bits and pieces of what it and be able to, you know, fix certain 
components, but I think if they know that you're at least listening and you're being your authentic self, I, I think that'll go a long way. And they'll remember that and they'll appreciate that. And I think in this day and age with teacher retention or employer retention, that's huge. And um, that's something that I know I always want to do when I become a principal is when when I have staff that have to eventually leave. And it's not, you know, whether it's, you know, families moving or I still want to have like, I don't think it happens too much, like an exit interview. What went well? What didn't? I want that authentic feedback of, Dan, you could have done this better or I like this or, you know, I, there's something with the school as far as the culture. I, I really want them to know there's I don't want it to be sugarcoated because that's not going to fix anything. But I really want them to. And then if everything's great and it was just because they were moving somewhere else then so be it. But I, I want them there. And I don't, I think that's just something that more schools need to have. Yeah, I love it. So for my listeners to connect with you on social media, how may they do that? All right. So there's a couple of different areas. You know, I'm on, I'm on Facebook, just uh, Dan Wolfie. You just, you'll, you'll find me uh, within there. Uh, also uh, on Twitter, serve, lead, inspire, uh, serve without the E. And, and again, I just let people know it's not because I, I can't spell. It's just that I'm limited on characters. So that's for that. And then uh, Instagram, it's serve, lead, inspire, always. And then I'm also on LinkedIn. And then like I said, becomingthechange.com. I also have within each of those handles where it's, there's an actual website that'll connect right to different podcast interviews I've been on, the book, the blog, kind of like one stop shopping in a way. So, you know, and just a little bio about myself too. And uh, those, those are just the different ways right now. Perfect. We're going to have those again in the show notes. It'll be on my website too, for all my listeners to connect with you. I am so appreciative of the book and just the inspiration that it holds within it. It is a wonderful resource, like I've said before. So for my listeners, make sure you're picking that up and connecting with Dan. And I just appreciate you uh, being on the Aspire to Lead podcast. Well, thank you again, Joshua, for having me on here. And thank you, uh, listeners. And I, as I tell everybody, our greatest wealth is our own mental health. And we have to take care of ourselves uh, before we can take care of others. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it.